there are four types of skills. The things you're good at that you like doing, the things you're good at that you don't like doing, the things you're bad at that you like doing, and things you're bad at that you don't like doing. The things you're good at that you like doing is your zone of expertise. That's your zone of genius. This is the type of work that you look at someone like, how do they do that all day? How are they smiling? And that's because they're good at it and they like doing it. Mm -hmm. Things you're good at that you don't like doing. Welcome back to Just Doing Life with your favorite host, Megan. Um, what's up, everybody? I hope you all are having a lovely morning. I just had to refilm, refilm, re-record this little section because I came in so hot. I burst my own eardrums listening back to it. So I'm going to try again. And I don't worry. I bleeped it out. Bleeped it. <laughs> I didn't bleep it. I cut it out. So that you guys don't have to deal with my chaotic energy. But I was just getting excited and saying today I have a great guest. This is so much more soothing. Janide. And now I'm going to go back to the original recording. He introduced me to the concept of Ikigai, which fun fact, when I went to go type in the bio, I had no idea how to spell this thing. So I typed in like E-E-K-E-E. G-U-I, like Ikigai, I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, it's not that. It's I-K-I-G-A-I, but it's talking about what you love, what the world needs, what you're good at, when you get paid for, and how you apply that to the jobs you want to do. We also talked about how to analyze the different types of skills that you might have or the different types of functions you can find in a job that will, will fit your needs. So many great things. And what's great about him is that he went to university. Am I European? Who says went to university in the States? me. Um, so he went to university, then he got his master's, and then he ended up starting his own business. And his business is tailored around individuals who don't have a college education, or maybe just individuals looking to explore new uh, career fields, which I just think is so on par with obviously everything I want to do with the podcast, expose people to different career paths, different avenues. Um, so yeah, so it, it was a fantastic, fantastic episode. And I'm excited for you all to hear. Before I jump into it, I have been doing a horrible job at just self-promotion. So I'm going to do it right here, right now. If you think this episode is going to be great, or if you listen to it and at the end of the episode, you think Megan would just really suits this person or sound really great in the ears of this person, you should send it along. Send it along, pass it along. If anyone's going through a tough time, has no idea what they want to do, or if you learned something in this episode that you're like, oh, that would be great for somebody else to hear, please pass her on. Give it a thumbs up. Tell me that you love me. You know, one of the one of the great options that you can do to interact with this podcast, that would be great. Um, and with that, I'm going to pass it along to Janide, and I hope you all enjoyed. Okay, I am podcast ready. Time out. This is crazy. Oh my God. You have like a whole, it's kind of funny because I got to see the beginning of this setup. <laughs> it did not look like this. Did no. you just put a filter on? What, or was no, that no, no filter. It's just, I changed the cameras. I put the, I have a teleprompter. I have like a, a mirrorless camera, like a Canon and. Oh my God. This and, is crazy. The other thing is lighting makes a big difference. So I have one light here, one here. And then uh -huh. I have like, since I'm under my bed, I have a hair light. Hair light. I mean, hair light does a little, but you see it just. No, that was definitely a difference. Oh my gosh. I mean, Wait. now I don't have good, good. It's like my room's kind of dark, but yeah. No, this is crazy. Oh my gosh. Okay. Um. Yeah. So you're obviously a pro. This makes me feel a little bit. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Look, I, it's fine. 
um, let me just actually. Awesome. Okay. Well, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Um, If you want to give a little bit of an intro about yourself, honestly, whatever you want to share where you're from, the audience, I might keep that little piece about you thinking New York's pizza is better. So they know you're from New York. Ha, joke's on you. I actually cut that part out. But Janai was just saying how much she loves the thin crust pizza and not our deep crust pizza here in Chicago. So if you want to use that against him, you can. Um, But yeah, just give a little bit of info about yourself. So my name is Janaid Iqbal. I'm the founder of NoDegree.com and the host of the No Degree podcast, where I interview people without college degrees and have them share their stories. I unfortunately have a master's degree <laughs> from an Ivy League. So people wonder why I kind of do what I do. But it's been a long journey and I'm really excited to discuss. I used to be an actuary. I was a data analyst. Then I worked as a developer advocate for a blockchain company. Then I worked for a marketing company. I got fired from the last two jobs I had, and it was completely my fault. And it's something I've learned a lot about myself throughout the years. And if I were to do a career again, I would definitely do it a different way. In addition, I have a lot of LinkedIn followers. I have over 41,000 LinkedIn followers. And it's because I'm in the resume writing business. So I've written over 500 resumes and I've broken people into the Amazons, the Microsoft, the Google. So I've talked to well over a thousand individuals on their careers. So I've gotten a lot of perspective and I am I have an idea of how to talk to people earlier who are confused to give them more clarity. I love this. First of all, I the fact that you just mentioned like six different jobs there, for everyone who's listening, we connected over Reddit, one of my, my favorite ways to meet people. And you gave me a short little snippet, but I feel like I was not prepared for all the different things you've done, which is fantastic to hear. Um, so I guess I'm just going to start off with getting a feel for, you said you went into an Ivy league school. Um, what school were you at? What were you pursuing when you were in school? Yeah. So I undergrad, I went to Queens college. I majored in applied math and economics. Then I went to Columbia for a master in actuarial science. So I used to be an actuary for those of you who don't know what an actuary is. An actuary is the person who comes up with insurance prices. So let's say you have a red Honda Civic in Chicago and you live in this zip code and it's whatever, let's say it's 2010. Actuaries will calculate based on your your age, whether you're male, female, some other factors, your history, we should charge you 222 a month. How do they come up with that number? They have to forecast risk. So it's a lot of forecasting and you typically work for insurance companies. So you're pricing risk. Okay. And what drew you to actuarial science? Well, I was a math major for undergrad. And what happens is a lot of times it's like, if you don't want to be a teacher, an actuary was like one of the jobs that one of the top jobs. And around that time, like 2010 to 2014, it was always listed as the number one job in America in terms of like the level of pay, stress, work-life balance Mm -hmm. and all that. So it met a lot of factors. And I would highly encourage people, don't just choose a job based off of that. Mm -hmm. Not that it's not a good job. It's just that the number one job today may not be the number one job 10 years from now. Mm -hmm. It may not be even close. And like, in my opinion, an actuary is an underpaid data scientist. And I one thing I really liked is like you take exams and you move up. But as I did the job, I realized I had way too much personality to mm-hmm. be an actuary. An actuary is considered a more boring accountant in terms yeah. of personality. 
Yeah, it's funny. I was actually just talking with my roommate. She was asking me who I was interviewing today. And I, the only snippet that I got from you was that you were an actuary and then you started your own company, all yeah. this stuff. And she was like, oh, like she's an accountant right now. And she's like, I yeah. want to go into actuary. I was like, really? Like you would hate it. Like you are, yeah. she's a very bubbly, fun person. And Don't she was it. like, oh yeah, I know. I wouldn't, I wouldn't actually do it. I was like, Yeah. Tell her was, not to do it. Tell yeah. her not to do it. So were you a number, were you a big numbers guy? Were you, would you call yourself like a nerd for the, for the numbers? Is that what, yeah. what drew you into it in the first place? Yeah. So I was, I was always a good student. Um, you know, that's why I got into Columbia for my master's and I graduated with like 3.81. So I was really good in math. Like in some classes, I was a top student. Like if it was a problem solving based class, I was like the I, I there were some classes I was a top student mm-hmm. for the classes that were like heavy analytical. I was in the top like five to 10 percent. There was always like, you know, that one genius or two. Yeah. I, like them. I won an award. Right. I was really good. I, I was a good student. Mm-hmm. But the one aspect of it that it didn't like the itch that it didn't scratch. Like when I was interning and when I was working, I used to spend like an hour or two a day during work. And I wouldn't mind if I stayed extra walking around, talking to people mm-hmm. like, how's your day? Like, I'd be like, Hey, let me talk to this person. Let me talk to this person. I'd make rounds. Mm-hmm. And that was the core part of my personality. I, mm-hmm. I generally love people. I enjoy people. And part of it was, that I found no degree.com. So co- first couple of years, a couple of guys in the basement. And I was like, as an actuary, you have to pass exams. And there are like eight of them. I would say there's a ton. Did you go through all that whole process? No, no, I only did two. Okay. So, but still, that's a, I mean, it's like an intense study yeah. process, right? So think about it as like a super final exam. It's mm-hmm. like you have to study like 100 to 300 hours of stuff, like to pass those exams. It depends on a lot of factors, how good you mm-hmm. are and all that. Uh, and then the later ones take like three to 500 hours. There are like eight of them. So the traditional career is you spend, you work. And then after work, you study for few hours and you do that for a couple of years. Now, I was in a rotational program. So in a rotational program, they actually give you extra time off to study. So part okay. of your job is to, they'll give you like maybe an hour or two during the day, but you will always have to take additional time. So I made the, I was like, I could spend a hundred to 300 hours of studying for the next X number of years. So it adds up to like one to 2000 hours of studying, or I could put that time into no degree.com. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know what? I got to leave and you have to pass exams every certain amount of time. So at MetLife, I had to pass exams every 18 months. Okay. So then you reset, then you get another 18 months. So mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I'll work on my business and I'll pass an exam in the, in the third cycle of the 18 months. Mm-hmm. And then I'll reset my clock. And then I kind of was not going to pass. And I made the decision. I was like, I'm going to focus on my business. So then I got a regular job as a data analyst. And with that, I was like, hey, after work, I don't have to spend time studying. I have more time in my business. Mm-hmm. And one thing just to know is I have sleep apnea. So I sleep with the mask. Now, as a result of sleep apnea, I also have something called delayed sleep phase disorder, which means I have a shifted circadian rhythm. So I generally wake up later and sleep later. So even when I travel countries, my natural wake up time is like 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Like after jet lag goes away. And think oh. about it is like if someone told you, hey, you got to start doing meetings at 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. You would just not be alert, even if you set it up. I'm wired. Like I do meetings at like 1 to 3 a.m. I'm just not a morning person. So when I went to work, I was late to work every single day. Okay. And I <laughs> walked into work one day. I was like, hey, your hours are this, this, this. You have to do this. And then. I, I later left that job 
for like another thing. And then eventually I was just like, look, this is the dream. I'm in a privileged position. I live at home. Let me do the business full time. And that was kind of like the career journey. But I learned okay. a lot about myself. Like, well, especially- so, so tell me then, you said that the business that you're talking about, that started yeah. when you were an actuary. Yeah. What, take me through that process. You said it was a group of buddies that, that started yeah. this. Like, how did that all happen? Yeah. So I was on Reddit. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Nine years ago, someone asked, this question pops up. I still can't find the original thread, but I, if I find it, if I find, if I see it, I'll know what it is. Someone asked, for those of you without a college degree who make over six figures, what do you do? How do you get the job? And it was like, I'm a claims adjuster. I'm a database administrator. I'm a surveyor. I work at this union. How'd you get the job? My uncle, my cousin, my teacher. So mm-hmm. a neighbor was retiring and taught me the business. And I was like, what if you don't have that uncle, cousin, or friend? What if you don't have that family member? You don't have that person in your life? Because there are plenty of people who are working careers who are very hardworking. They just don't know. Mm-hmm. And after working with so many people, there are jobs that I was like, I would have gone into different careers had I known. I would have gone into product management. And it's like, most kids don't even know what a product manager does, right? Most people don't know what a program manager is. Most people, you know, they just know like doctor, lawyer, engineer, business, Right. A couple of things. They don't know like, hey, what's the difference between a back end developer and a front end developer? What's, you know, what is a business analyst? What is a project manager? What is all these other things? And yeah, so it was interesting journey. First couple of years, it was a couple of guys in the basement just figuring things out. You know, we would spend a couple, you know, little time working on it. And I just really spent a lot of time on Reddit reading about marketing, SEO, networking and all that. So that was August 2014. And I what, when you, when you started, what was the intent? So you said that, you know, the, the inspiration was that people might not have those connections that others do that yeah. get those jobs, but what was the intent behind what you were trying to put together? Were you trying to connect individuals like a LinkedIn sense, or was it more so just informational? Informational. So first I was like, oh, I'll be a blog and I'll be super rich. I'll teach people about jobs and all that, but there's mm-hmm. much more than that. And I was like, look, I just want people to know about these careers and I want them to know the pathways about these careers and I want them to know how much these careers pay. So it's like, oh, welder, what do you need to do? What's the timeline? What are the options? Where do you need to go? How much does it cost? Right. Mm -hmm. So that's what it was. Now, when I quit my job in August 2018, I didn't make money for 15 months. Like I was networking. A few months later, I started getting active on LinkedIn started networking and I still didn't make money. And then I met someone in Canada. He was like, yo, you you should start writing resumes. I'm making money writing resumes. And I was like, you know what? I like people. I like helping people. And I was like, I can do resumes and I can learn about people's careers. So I was like, that's like a win-win on all fronts. Mm -hmm. And like, I did like some resumes for free. I remember one, one kid out of college, he got a job at Amazon in sales. And, you know, I was, I was getting results for people. And that's how over time, I've learned that I've learned my superpower. My superpower is an ability to talk to people all day long. Mm-hmm. Like if you told me, hey, you have 10 podcasts today, I'm like, okay, let's go. I'm ready. <laughs> right. Yeah. This kind of thing. So I've really learned a lot about myself. And one thing that I really encourage people is there are four types of skills the things you're good at that you like doing, the things you're good at that you don't like doing the things you're bad at that you like doing and things you're bad at that you don't like doing. The things you're good at that you like doing is your zone of expertise. That's your zone of genius. This is the type of work that you look at someone's like, how do they do that all day? How are they smiling? And that's because they're good at it and they like doing it. Mm-hmm. The things you're good at 
that you don't like doing. They're your burnout skills. And unfortunately, a lot of people choose jobs based on burnout skills. It'll be like, hey, Megan, you're good at biology. You should go become a doctor. Just because you're good at biology does not mean that's what you want to dedicate your life around. Or, hey, you're good at talking to people. You should go into sales. Just because you're good at con having conversations with people doesn't mean you want to cold call, you want to do all these things. So there are a lot of factors that we have to consider for ourselves. The things you're bad at that you like doing, those are your hobbies. You know, get better at them so that you can put it into your zone of genius. Like that was, for example, at one point, I wasn't necessarily the best public speaker. I wasn't necessarily the best communicator. And I went to Toastmasters and that really helped me. And then I started live streaming and that took me to a different level. And the things you're bad at that you don't like doing, you want to avoid those things and you don't want a job. Like, for example, I don't like organizing. I'm not necessarily a good project manager and it takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of energy out of me, right? If you mm -hmm. ask me to like clean my room, it's like, I'll never get it done. But if you ask me, hey, can you do 10 free resume reviews? I'm ready to go. Mm -hmm. I love that. So how would you recommend someone identify those skills? Because I think there's a level of honesty that we have to have with our ourselves that we might not have. And also yeah. just oblivious to some of the potential skills that we do have. So do you have any recommendations for how someone would start to narrow down their focus as to what they should be pursuing? Okay. So one thing that I would say is I really like the Gallup strength finder test. It's like $50. Okay. I, they have like a different version. I maybe it'd be $60 and you answer a bunch of questions. And I really liked what it did. Like for me, it gave my top skills as self-assurance achiever developer, I forgot the other two, but it was that I have a strong belief in myself. So I have to kind of be an entrepreneur. I'm like the dreamer. I'm kind of like crazy. And the other things was I like accomplishing things. The other one was I like building people. I like building teams. Mm -hmm. And so those types of things helped me gain some clarity. The other thing is, as I was doing work, I realized there are some things that you're going to do on your free time. There are some things that people are not going to have to tell you to do. For example, like, let's say you like doing research. You're going to do it, whether it's at work or whether it's outside of work. So mm -hmm. then you need to focus on, hey, I need a role that requires a lot of research. Or, hey, for me, I like talking to people. I, I did it. Like, it wasn't part of my job. I did it. That was something that I did. I got on my way. I would always keep in touch. So I realized, like, hey, I am that networker. Mm -hmm. And. You know, and I'm entrepreneurial. So I realized I needed a job that was very entrepreneurial. I needed a job to support my entrepreneurship. Like I mentioned, I got fired from the last two jobs. I only got them to save up money. And I realized like it's really hard for me to work a regular job unless it pays a certain amount because I realized I'd rather be working on my business where I could maybe make a little less or the same amount, but that keeps me much more happy. Yeah, absolutely. I want, I definitely want to get back to your, your, career line in, in one second. But before I do, I'm just curious what your thoughts are on this conversation that I had once with a mentor at work. Um, just a little bit of back story on myself. I, you know, after college wanted to go into medical school. Or so I thought it's kind of yeah. funny that you just made that comment about being good at bio. You should be a doctor because that's actually what I felt. I felt like everyone told me I should be a doctor because I really like science and I was yeah. really, I excelled in science. Um, and so I kind of got pushed down the medical school path yeah. and then realized, oh my gosh, this isn't what I want to do. But then after I decided I didn't want to do it, I started not necessarily regretting, but just missing the science education and yeah. learning about all things bio and anatomy. And I had this conversation with a mentor and he said, you know, 
sometimes you have to recognize that the things that we enjoy should just be hobbies. They don't necessarily have to be your work. And in your little four quadrant example of the skills that you're good at or enjoy, that's, you know, where your expertise should be. How do you, how do you differentiate between those things that should just be left as hobbies? Um, I know you explain them as more so you're just not, you're not good at them and that's what makes it a hobby. But what about those things that you are good at, but maybe it just shouldn't be your, your career choice. You know, you should just keep it as something that you do on the side. So here's the thing. There's something called Ikigai. It's a Japanese concept of being, and there's four parts. There's passion, profession, mission, and vocation. Now, it basically stems on, I forgot where, how they pair, but it's what you love, what you can get paid for, what you can, what you're good at, and what the world needs. So the ideal job hits all four. Mm-hmm. And my business for me hits all four. Right. I get paid for it. I'm good at it. I love it. And the world, it helps people. Right. But you mo it's very hard to get that from every job. So what I say is you need all four in your life. So you have to think like, okay, I love this. Can I make money doing it? How long is the pathway? How realistic is it? Do I like the job? So in that case, it's, it fulfills what you love. Can you get paid well for it? Are there careers? If not, then there's something else. So it's about mm-hmm. finding that balance. And then the other thing is really just realizing there are a lot of careers. There's like people who are like in medical affairs and medical liaisons. And there are people like community development. There's people or maybe you do it where it's like, hey, you get like you're a part time nutritionist type thing or all that. Just mm-hmm. a lot of people think that. And I, I, I really don't like it where it's like, hey, if you get paid to do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. And that's said by a rich trust fund kid because there's <laughs> always so right. work. Yeah. Like it's look, it's always work. There's always things you have to worry about. And you know, it's a it's a different capacity. So that's kind of how I would approach it in that can you realistically get paid well? Because sometimes you do something that you get paid a lot more for so that you can spend time researching. You can mm-hmm. spend time doing that. Right. I love it. And you said that's called Ikigai? Ikigai. Ikigai, yeah. Okay. Okay. Love it. Awesome. Okay. Sorry for that little um, turn there, but let's get back to the career. So you were starting this this job or this company and you said you spent 15 months jobless. Just to be fully transparent for a second, how, yeah. how did you survive? Like, how was that? Were you just living off saving? Like how yeah. mentally, so, where were you at? What did that look like? Yeah. So look, I'll be fully transparent. I live at home with my parents. So mm-hmm. I kind of was like, look, I'll do an entrepreneurial thing. I'll take care of my parents when they get older. I'm their retirement plan. But I was like, I need to do this. I'm very mm-hmm. fortunate because not everyone has that luxury. So I'll be fully transparent. I had a good credit score mm-hmm. and I had access to decent credit. So I was able to do that. I had low cost. I didn't really spend much money. And I helped a friend with like an ATM business. So I made like a couple hundred dollars a month and I would do random things. Like I'd help people move and all that. Um, So, so you were, you were doing fine. You like, you could keep yourself afloat. I mean, yeah, I could get, I I got into more debt eventually, but like, thankfully when I did start making money, things really started turning around. Okay. Awesome. All right. So now we're at the turnaround part. Uh, Tell me me what happened here. This is after you found out or you met with that guy in Canada, resume building, all that. Yeah. I got a client and then he offered to pay like 400 and I think he paid 300 up front and then 400. He paid a hundred when he got a job. So I got for most people I was charging at that level, like 297. 
I hate, I wish I could charge 300, but you know how it is. It's like weird things. Marketing like, numbers. All that. Marketing <laughs> numbers. So I was charging 297 for a lot of people. And I did it very uniquely in that I would spend like four to seven hours with people on their resumes. Because okay. I would interview them and I helped them with their LinkedIn profiles and all that. So that was like November, right? October, November. I was making money for a couple of months and I was doing like 20, like 20 resumes, a month, like kind of like that. So okay. I hired someone, a po- I started my podcast, I hired a podcast editor and then the pandemic hit. Now, resumes slowed down for like a month or two. I still got some and then it picked right back up. I met with a couple of business, couple of friends, business partners, and we started a virtual events company because all these in-person conferences were canceled. So that was like, I was making money through the resumes. I was funding this company, like the monthly expenses. And we did some free events. And I remember we got, we did, we got an event for $250 and we were so happy. We got an event for $1,200. We were so happy. And then we started building a partnership with the company. And then we started getting events for 5,000, 10,000, 20,000. And, and you when you it, say events, what, what do you, you said virtual events? What do you mean? Virtual conferences. So they're okay. like, you enter and it's like a, you click around their different tables. Each table is a video call. Then and were like you just present- bringing in uh, like spokesperson? Like what? what did- no. So we would run it for companies. Oh, you would run it. Got so it. So company, okay. the annual sales conference got canceled. This association, we need to do it. We'd run with them. We do all the things. We provide tech support. And before you knew it, we were hitting like 30K to 70K a month consistently. We wow. hit one month, we hit 100K. Now we had a lot of workers and stuff. So it's like, and then, you know, it also came crashing down like a rock. Like once people started having in-person conference, then it went back. Then I started doing more resumes and, you know, going back to that again. Okay. And where does um, no college degree fit into all this? Was this all still happening simultaneously? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So no degree. Sorry, um, sorry. No yeah, degree. Yeah. It, I've always, I've always done resumes. I've always like, I was growing my LinkedIn profile and networking and all that. It was just more that I would do fewer resumes. Okay. Right. So I would do fewer of them if I had business like that or, and I got a, like a team member who would sometimes do resumes if I wasn't available. So mm-hmm. it, it was always there. And cause the, it was more like, Hey, we're taking advantage of this opportunity where we're making good money and we know that it could go down. So might as well take opportunity. And then I'd use that money funnel it back into no degree and pay for worker, pay for marketing, pay for all that. And now, yeah, so that happened. And, you know, it's been ups and downs. You know, I've split with business partners and all that, but Mm -hmm. you really learn a lot about yourself throughout the process. Yeah, that's awesome. So, so is no degree at this point, you said it started off by the idea of wanting to be informational, provide, um, just tools for, for individuals now are, is there a service you're offering? How is, how is this keeping you afloat? Yeah. So I, it's a service. So I sit down with people and I do the resumes for four to six hours. I charge a decent amount. I typically charge anywhere from 600 to 1200 and it depends on their experience level, the current state of the resume and all that. Mm -hmm. I also have a resume course where I was like, Hey, you know what? If you want something more affordable right now, the course is 147. You'll kind of do that. Mm-hmm. then it's like if someone wants a hybrid I was like if you go through the course I'll give you a reduced fee on my services because I don't need to spend four to six hours I can spend one to two hours so now mm-hmm. you can get something like that or I have team members so that's what keeps me afloat um, we also have other things doing like I kind of help clients with their marketing because I grew well on LinkedIn so I'm an entrepreneur you know yeah you kind of no absolutely money yeah um, 
and just you're always networking. And, you know, right before this, I was on a call for a partnership with the company. Very uh, cool. And all that. But yeah, so we have like the information. We have the podcast. I passed over 170 episodes. So there's a lot of knowledge in that. I want to create more courses, more guides. And like the kind of goal is like I'm focused on growing on LinkedIn even further. And then I really want to grow on TikTok. And um, I grew on Twitter. I spent like a year growing on Twitter. I grew that to 12K. It's kind of like a weird place now. So TikTok's the the focus now. Yeah, very cool. Well, first of all, I appreciate your transparency so much about, you know, what you're making, what you're charging, how you're staying afloat, because I think that's something that we get sheltered from a lot is you hear these stories of these people who build up these businesses. And in my mind, I'm always just curious, like, what does that even look like from, from their standpoint? You know, how is the money coming in? I'm a very, I need the numbers I need to understand. So I appreciate that so much. So let me give you some more numbers. So my tax return, I quit 2018. So that was like an, I forgot the tax return for that. Cause I, but I had a half a year income 2019. My tax return was like 14 K right Okay. 2020, my tax return was like around 30K because I, I was putting money back into the business. So I didn't yeah. pay myself. I was, and I was paying off debt of the company. Mm-hmm. 2021, I got 60K. Wow. Then 2022 is an interest. And I, I remember at every point in time, I'm putting three to 5K back into the company. So mm-hmm. I only make that after because I, I really, I really care about growing the future of the company. And then mm-hmm. 2022 was interesting because I, 2022, I forgot, I went down again, something like that. And then 2023 is interesting because I, yeah, I think 2022 was like 30, May, maybe it was like 40 or 50, I forgot. And then um, 2023 is one of those, like I worked half the year that I got paid well. And then I'm, I am paying myself more, but it's, like it's a lot of sacrifice and mm-hmm. I, I would not be able to do it without like staying with my parents. And I always encourage entrepreneurs, if you have that space to do it, it makes a big difference. Like, oh, for sure. Yeah. Hey, you live in New York. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's like you're saving at minimum $1,200 a month. Minimum. My look, my my friend was renting for 1800 His rent went up to 2500 He just moved back home. He's like, screw it. I'd rather just. What? For yeah. like a one bed, two bed, one studio? bed, one bed. It was a decent one bed. It was decent, good area. But oh yeah, New gosh. York is like twelve hundred. You have to get like a crappy basement that's like away from public transport, that's or you're crazy. renting a room. Yeah, yeah, New yeah, York. Yeah, and it crazy. probably has rats living in the wall too, or something. Yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> it hundred percent has rats. That's crazy. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, awesome. So now I want to get into a little bit more of the just your thoughts and perspective given your experiences. Um, my first question is. At the very beginning of this, you said some of the inspiration came from the fact that people don't have the opportunity to network or the connections that others have. Yeah. And so I'm curious in your your uh, experience, do you think what's the balance between skill versus just like innate opportunity given your social circle? Like, is there a limitation that you have no matter how much skill you have versus the number of people surrounding you? Or is there, you know, no matter how many people around you, you still have to have the skill. Where do you think that okay. balance is? All right. I like this because people always people always say it's not what you know, it's who you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that's very incomplete. And I think people say that who are smart, but who lack some level of emotional intelligence. And the reason I my version of the quote is it's what you know multiplied by who you know. 
So if you know a lot and you have a lot of innate skills and you can do a lot, you don't need to know as many people to reach the same level. Mm-hmm. But if you know, if you're very smart and you know a lot of people, you can go very far. Mm-hmm. If you don't know anything, but your dad's the CEO or your mom's mm-hmm. the CEO, yeah, that helps. But you know, think about it a multiplying factor. When you multiply by a fraction or you multiply like, you know, a hundred times point one is one, right? So if you're you know, if your dad's a CEO, right. who you know is a million, your thing is point one, you get to the same place. So right. I always say find a balance that find what you're weak at, that if you know a lot, but you don't know a lot of people work on your networking skills. Mm-hmm. Here's what I tell people. The most expensive thing, right? They say data is a new oil, right? So data is basically information. And if I told you, hey, I know the person that can make you a million dollars next year with your skill set, mm-hmm. that's worth something. You know, how much is it worth? Who knows, right? But it's worth more than a dollar. It's worth more than a hundred dollars. Same thing. It doesn't matter how much you know. The fact is, if I'm saying, hey, Megan really knows podcasting. She's putting time and effort. I would, I feel confident giving, introducing you to Megan. Because the fact is, even if you know people, I'm not going to introduce all my friends to some people because I don't want to look bad. So people right. really have to understand just the holistic thing surrounding it. That it's mm-hmm. just, it's a balance of what you know and who you know. And the, mm-hmm. you want to work both sides of the equation because if you're lacking one side, it's really going to hold you back. I love that. Yeah, you're so right. You're not going to get the opportunities presented in front of you from the people you know if you can't have a conversation on your own. So yeah, love that. Um, okay, and then- uh, given the premise of of everything you've created with no degree, um, obviously there's a side of you that thinks you can or fully believes success is absolutely possible without a college degree. Yeah. So I'm curious if you had children or if you were, you know, um, mentoring somebody who is deciding whether they go to college or not, what would your recommendation be? So my recommendation is going to change based on their skills because a lot of people think I'm anti-college. I'm not anti-college. I just think people need to choose what's right for them. So many kids go to college to like, hey, I'm going to figure things out. And it's like, that's a very expensive way to figure things out. I think you need to have some direction and clarity, maybe take a gap year. So mm-hmm. here's the general trends. I just realized there's so much more nuance to this. Are you going to be supported during college? Because 60% of college students are middle class or higher. Right. And a lot of time people who come from just just harsher socioeconomic backgrounds, they drop out. So they end up worse off because they go for two years. They have this debt. So they lost the money from the two years. They came out that and they're not taken seriously. The other, I would ask them, what do they want to do? And then does that career require a degree? So if it's a doctor, mm-hmm. lawyer, engineer, it's like, hey, look, you're going to have to get a degree. That's just required in the field. There's no way around it. Then, do you see? Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. I was going to ask if you see with the the individuals you've been helping, um, have you been noticing more of a trend towards, you know, like entrepreneurship or not pursuing a a degree? Because I feel like that's in the media a lot now, too, is people are just not going to college in general. Yeah. So the thing is, it's like it's just more expensive than before and you don't get Mm -hmm. the same value. So a lot of people are considering boot camps. They're considering online courses and all Mm -hmm. that. So it's there's so many more avenues because think about it now and anybody can create an online course you can even create an online course from your phone like that's Mm -hmm. how whereas before you you needed this crazy setup you need to upload and all that 
So again, when I'm talking to people, I ask, did you like school? Did you struggle in school? What'd you like about it? Because what happens is you get people recommending college to someone who's like, hey, I, I, I struggled with school. It was so tough. I didn't like it. And then you're telling this person to go to college. It's like, why are they going to magically like it? Mm-hmm. Right. It's maybe for a lot of people, 18 is not the right age to go to college. They're just not ready. They're not mature. The best students I've ever seen were older adults because they're like, hey, I'm coming back and I'm coming back for a reason. Now, if I get someone who's like, hey, I want to be a lawyer. I know exactly what you want to do. I want to know what schools. I did well in the SATs. I know I'm very good in school I, I and I'm getting a, a good scholarship. I'm like, go to college. You know, it makes sense for you. So it's more about do you have a plan? Do you have a strategy? And that's how my recommendations come from. Because mm-hmm. it's like, did you like school and all that? Like for me, it's like school was like I liked it. And the big reason that I went to college was for my parents. You know, it was like my parents would like murder me if I didn't go. I'm <laughs> like a typical immigrant family. So it's like I always ask them, like, will you get support? Because some people are in positions where like, hey, my parents will disown me if I leave. And I'm like, look, it doesn't make sense to kind of go live a hard life when you have the support, just kind of finish it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so my next question then is at the beginning of this, you said you, you know, looking back, you might've done some things differently in your own career path. Yeah. Is one of them college? Would you have considered not going? I think if, I if just, your parents, if your parents yeah. were on board, <laughs> you know what? Maybe I might've just because I was a good student and I would have gone for free. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would have done, if I were to do it, I would have done computer science. That's like definitely one of okay. my biggest regrets. Like I would have made so much money. I would have had more opportunity. I, I just could do a lot more with that mm-hmm. uh, based on my skill set. But, you know, for me, it's like I, even if I went to college, I would not have gone to grad school. Mm-hmm. So like that was purely for my parents. Like my parents think I'm an idiot. And then that was kind of like their thing and they still think I'm an idiot. So it's like one of those <laughs> things that, you know, it is what it is. But yeah. if I were to go back, I would have gone more on the tech side and it would have opened up a lot of, mm-hmm. a lot more opportunity for me. Yeah. Well, Hey, in your defense though, I feel like tech has just started booming over the past couple of years. So no one, yeah. I don't think anyone really saw it taken off the way it has been. Yeah. Um, I, I have an, another question as it relates to our world of social media and, you know, everyone talking about these quick fixes or these, these fast paths or fast tracks to financial freedom. I think if anyone has seen my TikTok, it's a lot about financial freedom. My algorithm is set for these quick, these quick wins and, you know, like how to make like an extra 10 K every month and like side hustles. Um, What's your perspective on, you know, this trend and movement towards these quick fixes for that financial freedom and, and is there any validity to it? I know, obviously, in the world of media and and all the tech and yeah. all of this at home work, it is a lot easier to you know pursue things on your own more independently. Yeah. But do you think there's um, any credibility to some of these very quick? Like, I mean, as an entrepreneur yourself, yeah. I'm sure you have some insights into the difficulties and challenges yeah. that you face, and it can't be as quick and easy as it seems. Yeah. So here's the thing. I will stick by that it takes 10 years to become that overnight success. Mm -hmm. And a lot of those are misleading. And what happens is a lot of these people are in the business of selling you a dream. I think one thing when you look at social media and a lot of businesses, they sell you hopes and dreams. Has that happened to a client or two? Yeah. But for most clients, it's just not going to happen. It happens to people who already have a lot of experience. They have a lot of money saved. They already have these things. That's who get it 
quick, right? But it's not like you have limited skills. You're just starting. You're going to make 10K a month. I know a lot of people who try these things and they have to kind of go back to the workforce. It's not easy. So what I would always say is if you're if you're planning on doing it, do something on the side, make your first dollar, make it because people will think, look, like I'll like when I kind of do work, I'm getting paid like 100 to 250 an hour. And I'm going to tell you as a solo rate, that's good. As a corporate rate, that's not it's not enough to scale a company. And these are things that a lot of people don't talk about because people think, oh, I'm making 100 dollars an hour. So. If you do it, if you got 40 hours of work a week, you'd make like 200K a year, right? Quick math, you just multiply by two. But the fact is you're not going to get 20 hours of billable work, mm-hmm. right? You're going to get 10 to 20. So now you may make 100 if you're getting 20 hours of work a week. But what if you get 10? Because the thing is, you're going to have to spend 10 to 20, 30 hours doing marketing, operations, admin tasks that you don't get paid for. So when mm-hmm. you have to you have to really think of a skill that you can definitely get paid, especially in the US, that you can get paid, you know, 100 plus more an hour. Now, it's different when you're doing it on the side, because if you're doing it on the side, you can get paid 50 to 100 dollars an hour because your job is covering your health insurance, is covering your benefits, because you're not a lot of people are not thinking about that. They're thinking, oh, 100 dollars an hour. You don't have to work like oh, four hours a day and you're making very good money. But the fact is you don't cover your benefits and benefits are typically can be 15 to 25% of your wages, your vacation time. Like when I, when a client, I I had four clients yesterday, one rescheduled and one never showed up and didn't pay. So I lost money on that, right? Whereas like on work, you don't get that. So a lot of people don't realize that. And I would say take bits and pieces. And what a lot of these people do Honestly, they take very, very popular books and they just repackage the advice. That's really (laughs) what the majority of people do. Mm -hmm. And what I would tell if anyone's buying any of those programs, I would say make sure you buy something very specific. So someone's saying, hey, X, Y, Z, you can make money doing this. Make sure it's very specific. Focus on that. And then the other thing is, if you're buying anything, make sure you get a referral from someone you know that has done well. That's how there are some courses that are, you know, a few thousand that are worth every penny and some that are like just basically like a $50 course or a book and they just raise the price, right? Just realize Mm -hmm. that they're very good at marketing and sales. So you have to be very mindful of that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you brought that up because I think that is something that naively a lot of people are like, oh, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I'm going to like make my my money and I hate corporate. Like I hate the corporate world. I even jokingly say that all the time. Like, oh, I'm a corporate girly. I hate it. But I think it's really important to recognize who we are as individuals and where our stressors are, because I'm just thinking back this conversation I had about a year ago um, with someone on the podcast, actually, she was talking about how she's an accountant and she doesn't think the job is glamorous. You know, she goes to work every day, sits at her computer, punches the numbers. She doesn't love it, but she knows that for herself, she would be freaked out if she didn't know where her paycheck was coming from or that it was a consistent paycheck every two weeks. And I think it's important for us to recognize, you know, it's, it's great to fantasize about these dream jobs where, oh, I make my own hours. I only log on from 12 to three. Sure. But you know, you might only get a fat check once every two months, you know? So it's just, and it's just to each their own. I'm not saying to anybody like you can't do this or you shouldn't do this, but it's important to recognize the risk and the reward that come from these different avenues. As a corporate girly, I know that I'm getting paid every Friday. Yeah. It's it's glorious. But I also know that I get stuck working from nine to yeah. seven and don't see any pay increase for it. So yeah. I just you know, think that's, that's a look, great point. 
let me tell you. So people, entrepreneurs leave the nine to five, the 40 hours a week to work 80 hours a week. Yeah. And I've been working like 60 to 80 plus hours a week for like several years. And mm -hmm. it's the reality. It's like people talk about, oh, I don't like the nine to five. The fact is when you have customers, I don't glamorize a life. I know the type of person it's good for. I know it is good for me. But again, there's a lot of sacrifice. There's so mm -hmm. much sacrifice that a lot of people just don't share. Yeah. No, and I appreciate that because, again, I mean, all we see is a highlight reel nowadays. That's yeah. the purpose of this this podcast yeah. is to, to share these moments and, and talk about the reality behind the choices we make in our careers. Well, we're coming up on time. Um, before I let you go, is there anything that you feel like we didn't cover that you want to leave the listener with? This has been fantastic. And I can't thank yeah. you enough for, again, the transparency and just honesty yeah. in this whole conversation. What I will leave the listener with is choose the path that's right for you. You only have one life to live. And I think oftentimes we're focused on what other people tells us, what social media tells us. Choose know what you want, understand what you want, and realize that everybody has a different road in life. Mm -hmm. That you have to travel on the road that's meant for you. Because if you're traveling down someone else's road, like I went down the actual path, that wasn't the road that was meant for me. No matter how far you go on that road, no matter how far you travel, no matter how much you, you achieve, it won't be yours because you won't be happy. So focus on the things that make you happy, that satisfy your lifestyle, and that satisfy your awareness. Like be self-aware to know what's right for you and stick to it. I love it. I love it. What a great message to leave the listener with. Well, thank you so much, Denied. I really, really appreciate it. I hope you can get some dinner in you soon here and no more cancellations on these resumes. But this has been absolutely fantastic. All right. Thank you for your time, Megan. And yeah. I hope the listeners get a lot of value. Just want to say, if you're interested, feel free to follow the No Degree podcast Definitely. on your favorite platform. Yes, I will link everything in the bio so the listener will have a chance to check it out. Um, thank you so much. You're welcome.